0: Another bank just shut down. Regulators today abruptly closed Signature Bank. As of uncertainty surrounding the banking sector tonight, markets tumbled in North America and Europe, dragged down by banking stocks and alarm about Credit Suisse. The two biggest geopolitical rivals of the U.S. want to counterbalance the dominance of the dollar worldwide. And Russia is increasingly embracing the yuan. I am an ardent defender and a lifelong defender of civil liberties. And Bitcoin is both an exercise and a
1: guarantee of those freedoms.
0: Welcome back to another episode of Bitcoin versus the banks. And I'm joined here today by Kent Halliburton. He is the president of SAS uh, SAS Mining. Excuse me. Uh, You're also the COO, is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, I uh, I took on sort of dual responsibility within the organization early on. It sort of goes to how myself and the CEO who founded the company uh, decided to divide responsibility. Um, we took kind of a an, an atypical uh, approach to it and said, look, uh, you're great as a visionary. I'm great as an operator. So let's just sort of dissect the, the CEO role and how. Uh, instead of having just one person do that. So I I kind of keep the trains running on time, make sure that the the, the budgets are staying balanced um, and handle like the internal growth of the team and culture uh, while he's out in front doing visionary evangelism, brand distribution uh, sort of thing for the organization.
0: Very cool. I'm curious, how did you get into Bitcoin? Oof,
1: that's a long and winding journey. Um, I had a sabbatical, actually, between a rooftop solar career and ultimately winding up here at SAS Mining. Um, and during that two-year sabbatical, I um, was traveling and traveled to probably 26 countries in total, just fulfilling a lifelong dream of seeing the world. And while I was doing that, um, stumbled across uh, Bitcoin, and did a bit of a dive into it because my background was in computer engineering and networking and it sort of resonated from a technical standpoint, but I didn't know anything really about money. And that very much led me down the uh, the rabbit hole. And so my journey to SaaS mining um, was, was definitely circuitous, but um, a- along the same time that I fell in love with the, the Bitcoin. I also fell in love with a portuguese woman so I wound up in, in portugal and restarting life for myself in 2016 family all of that and and basically starting off at ground zero and you know trying to figure out a way to to rebuild a career um and, and also have and to meet this this passion of uh, helping and driving Bitcoin adoption to try <clears throat> my hand at several entrepreneurial things in Portugal, but because of the lack of regulatory clarity there, and my also difficulty with the language being brand new, you know, I've since learned Portuguese pretty decently, but or sufficiently is a better way to describe it. Um, I, I just struggled to get anything <laughs> off the ground. And so I uh, give my, my background in rooftop solar where I led an organization that was delivering hundreds of of you know rooftop solar systems across the U.S. each month. I I realized that that along with my energy background and networking, it sort of just landed perfectly in the Bitcoin mining segment. Um, and so I uh, I I heard Will, the CEO and founder of SaaS Mining, speaking on a solar podcast. I knew the host from that previous career and reached out and said, Hey, why don't you put me in touch with this guy? And one thing led to another. And, uh, I'm the SAS mining, uh, portion, or at least my portion of that journey, uh, kicked off. Will had founded the business about three years before I joined though.
0: Very cool. Sounds like you've had kind of a, bit of a whirlwind experience. Sounds like you've, you've had a chance to travel, uh, in many places, which is pretty cool. I kind of wish to do that myself. I've been to a few countries, uh, certainly not enough of my age, but, uh, Hopefully, if this thing really takes off and make a little bit of money, I'll, I'll get a little bit of, you know, opportunity to get around. Um, anyways, uh, this is, I believe, going to be episode number 25. So we're still pretty early on in the show. Uh, we mentioned Bitcoin mining to some extent. Uh, I recently did a recording with Margot Paez, and she she's the head of sustainability at Block Green, and I was asking her questions essentially related to Bitcoin mining and sort of its overall impact on the uh, on the environment. Um, so I'm curious, like, what is it that SaaS mining does exactly?
1: Yeah, so we, we're
0: different than most mining companies. And it sort
1: of takes it takes folks a, a minute to get their heads around it. So most most mining companies are focused on generating Bitcoin for themselves directly. Uh, what we decided to tackle was a problem that we were hearing on our phone lines in early, mid-2021 um, when I had joined the organization, which is, hey, I I, I don't have the capital to go stand up my own facility, but I want access to this. Uh, and the, the core problem is that the average person, and I'm going to use some US-based metrics here just to describe the problem, but the core problem is if you want to actually mine Bitcoin in a profitable way, you need to be able to access electricity that's sub ten cents per kilowatt hour. Um, and, and the unit per kilowatt hour may not be highly known right now, but just you know, use it as a as a way to um, consider what it takes to be profitable here in the U.S. For reference, the average electricity price is about seventeen cents per kilowatt. Oh wow! Right? So if you're if you're if you're a homeowner. You literally can't plug in a mining rig and and do that profitably uh a very with very few exceptions um i mean and and also uh, you could utilize the heat maybe to justify it um you know and reduce your heating bill you know there's ways that if you want to be a tinkerer you can sort of figure out how to do that at home but for the vast majority of people um that's just really not accessible and especially if you're in some of the most uh expensive electricity states such as like hawaii like they're paying 45 cents per kilowatt hour. I mean, it's really expensive. So the range of electricity price across the U.S. Um, varies, but on average about 17 cents. And uh, the way that what we do to, to tell you is, is basically offer Bitcoin mining as a service. So we go invest uh, countless hours to find sites, uh, invest capital to get the infrastructure ready to go, procure the power, all of that. And then turn around and offer it uh, uh, to our clients uh, so that they have access to the opportunity of Bitcoin mining as a service. And we do all that. just We pass through the cost to our clients. So they are paying for their mining rigs. They're paying for the power uh, and the maintenance. However, we don't make money there. You know, As a business, where we make money is the same way our clients do. So we instruct the mining pool, uh, which distributes the, the mining rewards. To split out just fifteen percent to us, and so that's like a, a property management fee is how you can think of that. So that's how we make our money in a in a pretty clean and transparent way, and and we tie ourselves only to uh, to carbon neutral power sources, which thus far has been purely hydroelectric. So we uh, we think of ourselves as Bitcoin mining as a service, but I think the the bigger picture for us is and the realization we've had is look uh, you. At some point in the not-so-distant future, um, everybody is going to be on a Bitcoin standard, and they're going to need to be earning their Bitcoin. Folks are either going to do that through mining or through uh, actual work. And you know, our thesis is that the exchanges that people have been going to to buy their Bitcoin, that's going to be a historic anomaly. Um, people, if we can, if we can make it simple enough and accessible enough, then Bitcoin native acquisition, i.e., mining, is going to be the uh, the primary vehicle. And so, we're focused on removing all that friction from the experience of the average person, instead of needing to go to an exchange can can uh, hop in and mine. And historically, that's been a more capital efficient uh, approach to uh, to acquire Bitcoin than through an exchange.
0: That's really interesting. Um... You know, I, I've heard rumblings of sort of like what the future looks like, and things like you know, it's whether it's your heating at home or just like whatever electronic devices that you have at home in the future are essentially going to, you know, they're going to have one main function, but at the same time, they're also going to be mining Bitcoin, which allows you to essentially earn KYC Bitcoin. A lot of the stuff you just said actually sort of leads really well into some of the questions I've got for you. So, like in this show, I try to keep things as simple as I can for the audience. You know, Bitcoin. Um, you know, for people like us that have been steeped in the state space for so long that have probably done our, you know, thousand plus hours, um, it seems simple to us, but, but I know it's not. So can you give kind of like a, sort of a summary as to what Bitcoin mining actually is just kind of keeping it as simple as possible?
1: Yeah. At the most high level, um, Satoshi Nakamoto, when he, he launched the Bitcoin protocol, he created an incentive uh, uh, for people to to secure the the network and order the transactions, um, and the incentive is uh, called proof of work, um, and it's kind of the economic engine behind Bitcoin, and that economic engine works uh, by I, I will say it al- It borders magic until you really drill in and to understand how it works. But in essence, you're using an alchemical process uh, based on cryptography to convert electricity into Bitcoin. Uh, that's the super simple way of doing that, uh, explaining it. And on the network, the result of that effort is that um, it keeps the blocks uh, on the Bitcoin blockchain ordered. Uh, and um yeah, that's probably about as deep as I'd want to go to avoid getting too technical on it. But yeah, if you just think about you purchase this piece of hardware, it's called a mining rig, and electricity is an input, and it outputs and sends across the internet uh, Bitcoin to somebody's wallet uh, when uh, when they've been successful with their efforts.
0: Great, I you know my uh sort of my assessment of it sort of like you said, sort of ten ten thousand foot level is like. What well, mining is, it's creating this uh, this security wall uh, that sort of protects essentially the, the ledger, right? The blockchain as we know it. Um, and so anybody that uh, contributes to, uh, to these mining pools is essentially just making that firewall bigger and bigger and bigger, just protecting a network um, that in traditional finance is extremely centralized. And if there was somebody with... Um, you know, malevolent intentions, they could hack into, you know, central server for whatever the private bank is uh, and, you know, steal assets, freeze assets, whatever it is. Whereas Bitcoin, it's a system where like literally thousands and thousands of people around the world are plugging in their miners. Uh, you've got publicly traded companies that are doing this uh, and they're just creating this wall that is like at this point, it's almost indestructible. So uh, yeah, it's it's just this really, really cool thing. Um, so we we've got our Bitcoin miners. And then on the other side, we have these things called nodes. So can you kind of differentiate the two?
1: Yeah, so the way I think about that is is, um, that the Bitcoin miners do the work yeah, and it convert electricity into Bitcoin, and like you said, you know, in my head—if I—if I'm thinking metaphorically—what are they doing? Like, let's go visualize uh, Bitcoin as a as as something that exists in reality and not just you know in the sort of idea space. And I think about it like a, a massive piece of land. And the wall that surrounds it, the Great Wall of China, let's say, that surrounds this Bitcoin kingdom, uh, that is mining, is that wall. It's encrypted electrical energy, right, that, uh, that secures the, uh, the, the network inside. And then we get to live and dance in our, uh, our, our, our playful Bitcoin kingdom, right? Um, but the, uh, the nodes, what they, what they do is um, they, they don't do the work. But the rules of the Bitcoin network are very simple, and so when new blocks are produced, and that occurs roughly every 10 minutes, um, and blocks contain transactions um, on the ledger for all 21 million Bitcoin, um, but what those what the nodes do is they simply verify that the rules were followed, um, and they continue to pass on the blocks, that way everybody uh, on the Bitcoin network uh, stays up to date. So a node contains a local copy of, uh, you can think of it like a a server on the Bitcoin network. It contains a copy of the entire blockchain. And so when a new block comes in uh, from a miner that produced it, they say, yep, this is true. And they attach it to the, to the rest of the blockchain that they're keeping locally. And that's where the distributed ledger comes in is the nodes um, are all keepers of their own copy of a ledger that's kept coordinated uh, across the network.
0: So in my head, based on everything you just said, um, I, I kind of have this analogy in my head where uh, Bitcoin mining is sort of this game that that is being played. Maybe it's a sport, if you will, or a, like a boxing match. And the uh, the miners are the people in the ring, and then the the people with the scorecards are the nodes. They're making sure that everything's running the way it's supposed to, and if there is somebody out there that's trying to do something nefarious, it's those scorekeepers that are going to essentially dock them points. Um, Anyway, that's, that's the way I kind of see it in my head. Um, So one thing that even I'm a little bit unsure about at this point is like, is there a difference between what's known as the block subsidy and then the actual, like, uh, I guess, mining fee? Is there, is there a difference there? Yes, there is.
1: So um, I, I, it, was something that confused me before becoming a miner as well. So very, very, uh, I think, very common. Um, so I, I talk a lot about the block reward, right? And the block reward is the a combination of two components. Um, it's the block uh, subsidy and the transaction fees in the block. So you put those two, two together, and that makes the block reward. So what's the block subsidy? The, the block subsidy is the distribution mechanism for new Bitcoin to get out onto the network. So most people have heard that Bitcoin only has 21 million Bitcoin. What's l- less known is how those Bitcoin are being distributed and they're being distributed via mining. Um, it started off that every 10 minutes, that's the approximate time it takes to create a new block. Um, when Satoshi started the network, 50 bitcoin were being distributed as a block subsidy for every uh, block every 4 years is the halving and that is when the block subsidy gets cut in half so uh 2012 was the first i believe in 2016 2020 and now 2024 will be the next one so we're we are going from 6.25 bitcoin as a block subsidy per block down to 3. One two five, I think is, yep. is, is what the math is there. Yep. But if you look at a current block, the total block reward is not 6.25. It's typically around 6.3, 6.4. The difference between that 6.25 and let's say 6.4 uh, represents the transaction fees. So the transaction fees occur if I wanted to send you Bitcoin, I need to have an incentive attached to my transaction so that miners want to pick up the transaction and and put it into the block in the first place. So that's an incentive to ensure that uh, miners pick up the transactions and include them in blocks. And I, yeah, that's probably a bit complicated, but trying to keep it simple as best I can.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a pretty good explanation, actually. Uh, I think it clarifies it, certainly for me and hopefully for others that may have kind of been wondering about that. So yeah, thank you for that. Um, I, I'm sure there's people that are like, you know, they're they're into Bitcoin and they're like, what? I think I kind of want to try mining. So, can anybody just go out and do it? Can anybody go out and just mine Bitcoin? You, you blipped just
1: a second there. Yeah. So, so yeah, the the rules of the network. This is the egalitarian part of Bitcoin, right? Is that you know, anybody that operates and behaves according to the rules. Um, that is, that's it. That's the structure. And and so anybody can hop into that sandbox and play as long as they behave according to those rules. And if they don't, well, they just get kicked out, you know? So, so there's no, there's nobody in charge. Um, but the rules are set mathematically in such a way that, it is impossible to operate in any different way other than to conform to the rules so you, so there is a binary with this it's either you're operating and behaving according to the rules so you're in or you're not behaving according to the rules
0: and you are out it's black and white and what sort of hardware is needed i know that's sort of evolved over the years yeah i mean
1: really you you could conceivably still use your computer Right. Um. the The thing is, you are not um going to likely be very successful for a very long period of time. Is the, is the problem. And so, what's happened? The way that mining actually works is there's a consistent race to be the first to guess the new bo- the next block. And that 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 guessing you can think of like a, a lottery ticket um where everybody's you know pulling lottery tickets and hoping when they scratch theirs that they've hit the hit the jackpot and it's totally random uh so there's no way to game the system in any way except for to just keep pulling lottery tickets until somebody wins well the first person that wins the lottery everybody goes on to the next lottery right instantly well the quicker that you can pull those lottery tickets uh, the more likely you are, the more shots you have at 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 winning the lottery, right? So that's how you can think of the reward for the for every block. But the problem is that if you're picking those those lottery tickets very slow compared to everybody else, it's much faster. Um, then you're very you're much less likely to have success, and that's the equivalent of using like your computer versus the specialized hardware that people are using now. Um, and when I to put some numbers on it, you know, we talk in terms of terahash. So that's that's not really a, a number that people are very. Uh, I, I think a lot of people are are comfortable with like bytes and megabytes and gigabytes at this point. But terabytes is still a fairly un, unused uh, uh, prefix. Um, but but terahash is the is the same as like terabytes. You know, same units, right? So this is trillions. Uh, of units uh, or guesses are occurring per second, right? Like that's the speed at which these guesses are occurring. And so that's the measurement of of what we say, the computational power of the device that you're using. So you can really use any device to do that, but your success is gonna be quite minimal unless you're, you're, you're playing at the same rate that most of the others on the network are.
0: So if I, let's say wanted to use my MacBook to mine Bitcoin, I'm curious. Um, I I would certainly join a pool because the likelihood of me being the one to actually open that uh, block is just infinitesimally small. So if, if I were to join a pool because my hash power would be so incredibly low, does that mean I would just get that much smaller of a fraction of the reward? Is that how that kind of sort of plays out?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, so if you, if you look at it, um, they're approximately what 6.25 bitcoin a day i believe i'd have to run some quick math on it but i believe that's 900 bitcoin per day it's either 600 so. or 900 i think it's 900 yes okay 900 bitcoin a day so if there's 900 bitcoin a day and there's uh four uh, you know you've got um 1 terahash uh that you're delivering and 1 terahash divided by the network is approximately 400 exahash so exahash is above terahash, goes petahash, and then exahash. So you're, you've are you got three orders of magnitude above that. So if you have one uh, of one, one what's that? One, one millionth uh, of the power of the network, then you'd be dividing uh, statistically speaking that 900 uh, Bitcoin by one, one millionth of the network. If you had one terahash with your computer, right. which I don't know what a GPO produces, but I don't think it's even one terahash. So, so that just to try to put some numbers and framing on it, at least give you the idea of how you would do the math on it. Um, In essence, you are generating for the percentage of the network you are providing computational power for. That is the same amount of reward that you would receive over the long run.
0: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it's an interesting way to put it because um, I suppose if if I did decide to pop in with my laptop or or with uh, whatever little device I had, I'd probably be earning maybe a, f- a few sats at, at most, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, it would. It, there's not many people that do it, although there's kind of this funny thing that I that I have seen where people have made these like very like USB mining sticks. And and what they do is they they plug them into like a USB uh, um, port, you know, they're wirelessly connected, and literally they're lottery tickets because they don't join a mining pool. And they're just hoping at some point that they hit and get like a 6.25 Bitcoin, but they are lottery tickets because the statistical odds of that occurring are very, very small. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of a funny game, and I, I expect that there's more lottery-based games like that that come up with Bitcoiners just trying to, to hit on a bitcoin. Because if you look at 6.25 Bitcoin, you know, we're trading at about $30,000. I mean, not quite, but just to make simple math, 30,000 times 6.25 means that you're generating, what's that, uh, close to 200,000? I mean, yeah. not quite, uh, by uh, by hitting one block. I mean, that's,
0: that's compelling. Yeah. And you you do hear cases of somebody that, that solely wins the reward all to themselves. So, I mean, it, it is possible. And I mean, if you're sitting at home with like an electronic device that is literally just sitting on your shelf, you may as well plug it in and who knows, right? So, um, yeah. So, you know, for anybody that is, I guess, serious about Bitcoin mining, they essentially need an ASIC at this point. That's just how far the technology kind of evolved. So like, what do people need to be sort of mindful of if if they're, know making their initial asic purchase as far as like power is concerned and and about noise because i know they can get quite uh, loud
1: yeah i think i think there's to answer your question there's sort of like two tracks to go down one is hey am i trying to do this at home or or uh the other track is more like you know what? What we do here at SAS Mining, which is offer of Bitcoin mining as a service, right? So I, I think it's worth highlighting some of the risks of uh, procuring a ASIC or I call them mining rigs just to be more more simple. Uh, this is the acronym ASIC that so throws people off sometimes, but um, but if you're gonna if you're gonna procure your own mining rig at home, I just want to highlight some of the the things to be mindful of trying to mine at your own home. First of all most of the latest gen mining rigs right now are pulling power uh, north of three thousand watts and that may not mean a lot to somebody but imagine taking three microwaves plugging it into a same socket and running it for 24 hours a day that is an equivalent amount of electricity that is being used because a microwave is usually about a thousand watts so if you're pulling that amount of power um, I, I mean, I think everybody's accidentally thrown metal into a microwave and seen sparks fly and n- know that, you know, a power and fire are kind of linked in some way. What, wh- I, I'm trying to point out that there's fire hazard risk, really, because if you don't have the right size cables and breakers, you're not safe and you're not secure. And pulling too much power on too small of a wire means melted wires and, and potential fire. Right. So there's there's an electrical fire safety hazard consideration. There is a the second issue uh, that I see come up with mining at home is the sound. Uh, and I have heard some stories about marital disputes uh, occurring because the sound was uh, driving one of the partners, you know, uh, up the wall. And uh, so ultimately that that shut down a mining operation. It is non-trivial. It is louder than a, than a vacuum cleaner going 24 uh, seven to put it in perspective. And in in sort of a decibel range. So yeah, imagine imagine a vacuum cleaner being on 24 hours a day, and how that would impact you in your life and where you might want to put that Um, a third is uh, the technical side. Um, you know, if, if you're comfortable with command line interfaces, it's probably not going to seem like too big of a deal, um, but if you want a really clean interface, you know, there's a networking component that you need to be able to manage to be able to point your, your computational power from the mining rig to a mining pool to provide the address that you're going the wallet address where you want your payouts to occur, you know, and that you can get even more fine grain. There's, there's other parameters you can fine tune, but that technical side is also uh, burdensome for some people. So what I see is if you're going to be a home miner, uh, that's great. If you've got sort of the personality of being a tinker, being out in the garage, you know, if you've got like the 3d modeling, uh, 3d printer and, you know, you're, you're building, you're replacing your own brakes on your car and, and these sorts of things, then yeah, it's, it's probably a fit, go play with it, you know, go make your own heating system and, and make it economical. But for the vast majority of people, that is not that's not the case. And then that, that's where you get into organization, looking for at an organization like ours that uh, offers Bitcoin my, my, mining as a service, right? And so what we do is we go take care of all that complexity so that you go buy a mining rig from us. And again, we're offering it at cost and we're offering the electricity price at cost. And then you're paying for that service um, through the block reward. So basically the only thing you need to be responsible for uh, in that type of a model is staying on top of the, uh, the monthly payments and making sure that you've got a valid Bitcoin address for the, the payouts to be paid out to. Um, and then probably the core part of that business is the, of doing it through a Bitcoin mining as a service provider. The core part is really comes down to what all the big mining companies uh, have to figure out and wrestle with. Um, so we we sort of abstract everything, except for the hardest part of the business, which is, do I buy? Uh, or do I, do I sell my Bitcoin that I've mined right now? Or do I wait? Or do I hold? Uh, for the long period that honestly is the hardest part of the business is to figure out am I just going to be cycling my fiat into Bitcoin and I'm just holding it forever in which case I basically need to have uh, that cash flow coming in from someplace else do I sell enough that I'm covering my expenses like kind of the low risk approach or have I taken everything that I generate and and reinvesting into more mining rigs um and i have seen a lot of that i've seen people sort of get uh, get hooked they they start to see the payouts from one mining rig and then they they wind up with a uh, a nice nice sized fleet over time cuz they just keep reinvesting
0: and that's what like publicly traded uh, publicly traded companies were doing as well right they would they would take their investment they would uh, make a profit and then they would just essentially bring that money right back into the company and just invest in in more miners right
1: yeah, I mean that is that is uh, that is the game that that almost everybody that's a miner, whether you're a, a small player or a big player, tends to to try to play because you know there's only so much real estate available uh, in this land grab that we call the the Bitcoin network. You know, it's it's a finite supply of 21 million. I believe 19 million are on the market right now, and so how you how you go out there and grab your piece of the network and stake your claim. Um, you know, is, is pretty compelling. And I think last year, if you look at the amount of capital that, that came into the space, it looks to be north of 4.5 billion. Uh, and that's, that's capital that, uh, in my mind, says pretty clearly, like, hey, we view it as more efficient and effective to go mine this than going to an exchange. Otherwise, you would not put 4.5 billion into uh, mining. You would go to an exchange and buy your Bitcoin there. So, you know, there's there's a lot of people out there, myself included, that just see it as more capital efficient to be mining.
0: Right. If I'm somebody out there who's, like you said, not not a tinkerer, actually, or um, maybe, you know, you live in an apartment building where you just don't have access to, you know, 3000 watts or more of power in a, in a plug. Um, and I decide, you know what, I'm going to turn to a company like SAS. How does that work? Do I essentially reach out to you? And effectively, I'm purchasing a miner from you, and then you would kind of mentioned paying like monthly fees. So is that sort of like financing uh, the cost of the miner itself?
1: No, no, no. So we don't have a, a financing option at this point. So what what we do is uh, we sell the mining rig to you at cost. So it is, um, you know, we've got a couple different models just to put some some pricing on it one is 1900 dollars, the more affordable model but it's a bit less efficient and then we've got a very efficient model it's the high-end uh, model and it's closer to uh, four thousand one hundred dollars at the moment um, and that is uh, generates more bitcoin per unit of energy uh, so it's a more efficient model better bank uh, not bang for your buck so much as just more efficient like you pay a premium for that efficiency um, and those those two models you can purchase quickly and easily on our website. Um, and then we uh, procure those, get those uh, sent and tested, deployed in our facility. And um, once it is getting close to being deployed, we ask for hosting payments uh, to get you started on a hosting payment plan. Uh, and that's the monthly service fee, right? And so that, that fee <clears throat> covers um, all costs. Uh, for your mining rig uh, to operate. Um, So it's electricity plus maintenance is included. It's about 4.7 cents per kilowatt hour. Um, So again, average electricity price in the U.S., 17 cents, just for reference. So, uh, And then typical price for this business model right now, if you were to procure it in the U.S., is about um, 8 cents per kilowatt hour. Um, so yeah, this is, this is very affordable and clean electricity that we're offering and it actually does include all maintenance. So, um, we have a one-year agreement with our client after that, we have a variety of different, um, termination, uh, uh, approaches. So if people want to leave, they can, otherwise it auto renews and that the monthly, um, you know, earnings, you know, for the high end model, um, that I mentioned is about $270 per month after our fee um and the monthly hosting uh, fee is around a hundred dollars so you know there's approximately 170 dollars worth of uh, bitcoin um as profit each month right now and that's based on sort of historical averages
0: not what will occur in the future okay yeah that that all makes a lot of sense um <clears throat> And I mean that—that's quite a savings when you're comparing 17 cents per kilowatt hour compared to you know roughly five cents uh, locally for me. I pay about somewhere between 10 and 11 cents. So I'm fortunate that my energy costs are quite low. And I think if I was to plug a miner in, I would—I don't even think I'd break even, but I'd, I'd come close if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but certainly, if I went with SAS, I would be making quite a profit. So it's, that's good to know that that sort of option is available. Um, so. One thing I think we just briefly touched on was the fact that these miners, because they're using so much uh, electricity, they're also generating heat. So um, do you know of cases where people are taking that excess sort of stranded energy and using it for general applications at home?
1: At home, yeah. I mean, there's there's a variety of uses that, that I've seen for people uh, to be utilizing the heat. I think probably the most exciting is... Um, Seeing people actually duct the mining rigs, uh, so the outflow of the mining rigs into their HVAC system, right? So, actually put ducting in and and pump that directly into their system. You know, I think there's <clears throat> there's some innovation going on there. Also interesting to see is that the people are are uh, developing um, out of the previous gen mining rigs. So are not very efficient in terms of uh, generating Bitcoin, um, but <clears throat> equally as efficient as space heaters. So a lot of people go out and buy these electric space heaters or little corners of their home that they want to keep their tootsies warm with, you know? And, and so y- y- the efficiency of that space heater is exactly the efficiency of, uh, if not the, the Bitcoin mining rig is actually more efficient at turning electricity into heat than the, than that, um, that space heater. So people are wrapping them up in, in different sort of packaging and material and then offering them to consumers to, uh, as space heaters with a lower price point um, on them for their continual usage, um, you know, kind of offering. And, and there's some interesting pricing options there uh, that, that go on because, in essence, the uh, the whoever is operating that and receiving the Bitcoin, even from a relatively inefficient uh, space heater, uh, can offer that back and share the profits with whoever is actually housing it.
0: The reason I ask is because uh, I've seen some like kind of funny applications of the heat. So I mean, I know there's people like you said that heat their homes with it. Uh, some people are tapping into their pools and they're they're warming up the water. Yeah. I, I saw one video of some guy that was essentially using it as a sous vide to cook his steak. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I haven't seen that one. No, I've seen yeah. I've seen a lot of the the, the indoor heating, uh, yeah, in hot water. But yeah, sous vide that that's a good one. I like that.
0: Yeah. It's, it's some pretty crazy stuff. Um, one thing I meant to ask you, um, so with SAS mine, I'm curious, like if, <clears throat> if I, if I were to purchase a miner from you and, uh, you know, one year down the road, I realize like that, that miner is just not cutting it anymore. Like the, the power compared to the latest generation is just, you know, it's, it's just dated, right? It's a dinosaur at that point. Um, what are my options? Can I say, like, can I, you know, approach SAS and say, I'd like to, to sell that? Like, how, how does that all, all that work?
1: Yeah, I think so. So just to, to, to separate that, because um, I think that that would be highly unlikely right now. And so let me answer the question first and then explain like about price cycles and manufacturing cycles. Cause I think that context is actually important for this consideration, but as far as exit options after the first year uh, the agreement will auto renew. Uh, you can let us know ahead of time if you don't want to. Uh, and the options there are, Hey, I want to pay, pay SAS mining a fee to just recycle it. Uh, I, the, another option is I'm just walking away. Um, I, I just divest my interest in it. In SAS mining, you figure out what to do with it. Uh, third option is uh, ship it to me, um, you know, and, and I'll pay the cost. Um, and then, fourth option, and I think this is m- the most likely option for most people, um, is you could sell it like on i don't know what's uh what's up in toronto but you know craigslist for instance is is pretty popular in the us right so you can post it on a bulletin board Uh, and we intend to build a market at some point in the future for our clients to assist with this but in essence we would just get on a three-way call and and move ownership on our platform to the new client uh, that you've privately sold your mining rig to Uh, so in this way you release ownership and that person takes on new ownership um and then we don't have to physically move the mining rig anywhere to to have that happen so those are the the four options um and fifth option is you know if if we're positioned in such a way that we think it's good we may give you an offer and say hey we'll buy it from you uh for x dollars if you want to take our price you know so right. that that'll probably be those
0: are the five uh, options Oh, it's it's good that you guys have all these different options. I think having some sort of marketplace may be beneficial to your company, just because I think it kind of alleviates uh, stresses or headaches that people just don't want to have if you guys sort of take care of that on on your end. Um, what I'm, I'm curious, you mentioned the option of it. I think it was forty one hundred dollars. Which uh, which miner is that?
1: that's the the Bitmain XP it's the most efficient mining rig on the market right now slight caveat to that but yeah it's the most most efficient air cooled uh, mining rig on the market right now
0: is there a timeline on when the next let's say generation of miners are going to come out just cuz again you know people are kind of worried uh, i might buy something and then at that <laughs> the very next week or the next month all of a sudden that thing itself just becomes totally outdated
1: yeah, and I think that's the that's the part of the conversation that I wanted to, to get to with my previous answer was sort of talking through the technology itself. So if you look, it, it's, every generation of mining rig, it appears now, is taking longer and longer um, before it expires in the marketplace, meaning the lifespan, the expected lifespan is increasing. And there's actually a pretty simple reason for why that's occurring, um, and I am just turning on some notifications. I forgot to do that before we got started here. So um, but the simple way of, of thinking about it is that silicon is the basis for the the microchips in the mining rigs, right? And silicon technology is advanced to the point where, You know, we're pushing the limits of physics when it comes to our cell phones, you know, I think some of us are aware of this, right? We'll get to the point where it's getting harder and harder to extract more computational power out of the silicon. It's just getting to the to the limits that we know of for quantum physics and things will continue to happen to improve. But, you know, we seem to be getting to the to the end of what they call Moore's law. Um, And that's impacting the mining sector as well. Uh, in the beginning, when mining got started, it was using very rough, uh, low-grade quality silicon transistors, um, but as more money has flowed into the space, it's quickly caught up and is at the same technological technological level as our iPhones now. Uh, so there's less um, juice to squeeze out of it, so to speak. So there's not, in the past, you know, every three, six months, the year, you need to replace your equipment. Um, And for perspective, uh, the S9s, the previous generation of mining equipment, were released in 2016. Those stopped being economical uh, in general application and and fell off the network only in the last year, right? So you got roughly six to seven years of life there out of them. Um, The current generation was first started being produced in, I believe, 2021, so worst case scenario that I see is like that same six to seven years, but I wouldn't even be surprised if that extends because it's harder to get uh, major steps up in efficiency now. And it will likely be more incremental, which means longer lifespan for the uh, the equipment.
0: Okay, that's good to know. I'm sure people out there are happy to hear that knowing that like, you know, we're still technically in a bear market. And so that means that whatever they would purchase now should be good for the next bull run. So there is profit to be made. Uh, this has been great. Uh, I've certainly learned a few things and hopefully people that are just kind of entering the space, thinking about mining, uh, probably have a lot that they can take away from this. So uh, Kent, if people want to learn more about you or about SaaS mining, where can they look?
1: Yeah. So uh, me personally, at k Halliburton on Twitter, I think I can still call it that. At least I'm going uh, to put my, my flag <laughs> in the ground on, on Twitter yeah. here. Um, but yeah, at K Halliburton, so same as my my first initial last name. Uh, and then sasmining.com is uh, is our website. And I'm, I'm assuming you'll probably post those in, in the, the footnotes here. But I keep my DMs open. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. Um, and uh, happy to answer any questions. I think you you mentioned something there that, that we've not talked about a little bit, which is, the, is actually the price cycle. Uh, for Bitcoin. So I I don't consider myself a Bitcoin maximalist, but I I do consider myself a Bitcoin price cycle maximalist. I I firmly believe that that continues to play out and will continue to play out. And if you you are somebody that believes in that price cycle, then what you see is now is actually the best time to get started with mining. And this isn't any sales pitch. This is just historical fact. And the reason for it is because the ASICs are about 80% off. Um, so, so what we were looking at before and on the ASIC, so the model, the the nineteen hundred dollar model that we offer, it was over twelve thousand dollars at the bull, the top of the last bull market. Oh. Um, now that same model, uh, although it's only nineteen hundred dollars now, the cash flow doesn't look as great. And so, what you have is a pendulum that occurs. Uh, in our in our mining industry, which is where the cash flow looks worse in the bear market, uh, but the mining rig price is the cheapest, and the pendulum shifts the other way. And the top of the bull market, the cash flow will look amazing, but the price of the mining rigs will be, you know, well, let's assume that the same occurs the last cycle, at least six x what they are right now so the the key and the people that are most successful in mining are the ones that actually get their mining rigs plugged in during the bear cycle to take advantage of the lowest prices because once the price starts to rip um in bitcoin you actually cannot find rack space and the hardware uh, to get plugged in so you have to be positioned ahead of it but those that are positioned ahead of it get to take advantage of that that arbitrage and and takes a while for the hash rate to then catch back up with the price so um that's that's why we see in my opinion why a lot of hash rate is coming along online right now is and squeezing margins is because people are just racing to get positioned ahead of that uh, that bull run that we're all sort of anticipating will uh, will kick off next year
0: yeah i think i read on Twitter or X, whatever you call it, somebody had posted that we've never seen this high of a hash rate in comparison to the actual price of Bitcoin. That disparity is just historic. So and, and there's so much to be said about that, right? Like we are still technically in a bear market, and yet, you know, people are plugging in their miners. So they they see something that the majority of us don't. Uh certainly you and I, we see it. Um, so Bitcoin, it's 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 ready to rip. It's, it's just a matter of time. So if you guys can plug your miners in now, uh, get ahead of the game, hook up with SAS Mining, I think you're in for a treat. So yeah, thanks again, Kent. This has been great. And I uh, hope to have you back on someday.
1: Yeah, thanks, Milan. I really appreciate it. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me.
0: My pleasure. Take care. Hi. Thank you all for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. You can find me Milan on Twitter. My handle is at MilanNesic84 at milannesic 84 If you want to write me, maybe you have a question, an idea for a show, or even a guest, my email address is milan at Lastly, if you want to help support the show, see it grow, you're welcome to donate via Lightning, and the address to send to is btcvsthebanks at fountain.com. That's F-O-U-N-T. A-I-N dot F-M.